0: At Mom Life presented by Kids Dentistry, welcoming new smiles at Kids Dentistry. With safety as their top priority and easy online scheduling for new patients, Kids Dentistry is where healthy smiles grow. Visit KidsDentistry.com. That's dentistry spelled D E N T I S T R E E. Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan, and this week, I'm actually super excited to have Ashley Smith. Now, this is one of those situations where a former podcast guest, my now friend, Courtney, who is an amazing nurse, also has a company called Chubby Baby, and she helps kiddos, especially babies, if they're having issues with eating, help them. And she was like, you have to talk to my friend, Ashley, which you are also in the medical field with Ashley, correct? I am. I am. So you are
1: a, are
0: you, a, you're a nurse practitioner? Yes. yes. Okay. So you're a nurse practitioner, but again, also like Courtney, you both have like your normal jobs, but you both have had a side branch of your jobs. What have you branched out on, on your own?
1: So two years ago, two years ago um, I, I-, I- co-founded a company with my business partner. It's called Like a Dream Infant Sleep Consulting. So I branched out. I kind of found my niche and passion with babies and sleep and um, became a sleep consultant. See, I need you to
0: understand that right now you're the person that I keep thinking I just have to make it to the recording of the podcast. I just have to make it to this recording because I have a pesky third baby who doesn't like Sleep, and I was like, I totally appreciate the fact that this exists again. You're a nurse practitioner; you see things all day long. But there are always certain things that you're like, you know what? After enough people have asked me questions, how about I start doing something like this? Because I once Courtney told me about you. I was I went to your Instagram page, and then I started analyzing your website, and I was like, this is incredible.
1: (laughs) The stars are aligning. We're meeting. We're meeting for a purpose this morning. (laughs)
0: Yes. A hundred percent meeting for a purpose this morning,
1: but not really.
0: This is a much larger purpose. I could, I could, uh, well, obviously sign up for a consult consultation for my 15 month old. We'll get there, but I want to figure out how we got there. So you were born and raised in the Louisville area. I
1: was born and raised in Louisville. I did. Um, branch out briefly to go to UK for um for college got my nursing degree but then I just came right back home like Louisville's my home where I grew up and this is where um we started a family so this is this is home
0: now did you always know that you wanted to end up coming back here or was it just something that it was like the jobs aligned and you ended up staying here
1: no I did I'm a homebody you know um a lot, of my, a lot of my friends went far away for college. And college. I just couldn't do it. Like I, liked I being like being away, but I also like that you know hour drive back home. Um, so I knew that I was probably going to come home after college. So it wasn't a surprise that I that I landed back in Louisville.
0: You know what? I was I went away to college, but by away to college, I was still within a few hours. And for me, it was enough space, but also made me feel better that if something happened and someone needed me, I could be home within a few hours.
1: Absolutely. Same here.
0: And I don't know about you,
1: but like, even while I was
0: in college, I actually started working in radio. And so I was even coming back sometimes twice a week to Louisville, like couple hour drive to start doing stuff. So I mean, like, I don't know when you started your, whether internships or any sort of, well, did you do residencies or fellowships
1: or anything like that? No, not with nursing school. So I got my um, bachelor's degree at UK, and I did intern um, that summer back in Louisville, just like you said, to kind of get your feet wet, get yourself in the hospital, get a feel for, you know, what specific area, area I wanted to work in. Um, and then I practiced in the neonatal ICU. So I was a NICU bedside nurse for eight years um, downtown at Cozair, and I thought I was going to be there forever. Like, for 40 years, I thought my career was going to be in this neonatal ICU. Um, And then I don't know, one day it kind of hit me, I said, No, I think I need to do more. So I unexpectedly, honestly, um, applied for grad school, and went to Spalding. So again, stayed in Louisville, and I went to Spalding and got my master's in nursing. So um, I did always know that I wanted to go into nursing. It probably hit me in high school, I think, when I knew that I wanted to go into nursing. Did you just have a knack for
0: helping others? Or were you more driven by like the scientific part of medicine?
1: no i think it was definitely more of a knack for helping others and just like serving and having a purpose and just being like a helping hand and a good listening ear honestly and i knew that i wanted to go into pediatrics um like growing up i babysat i nannied, I house set i worked at the daycare so being around kids and being around babies are kind of what i what i knew and what i loved um honestly the reason i went into nursing was because it wasn't of a pediatric reason it was a personal reason, as a family member, my, um, my Pep got really sick when I was in high school. And I just remember going there, I just got my driver's license. And I had to like commit to my mom after school, I'm going to see Pep ball. And it made her really nervous, you know, being, having a daughter with her license driving downtown to the hospital, but I was very determined that I was going to do this. So I went to see him every day. And I remember one of the nurses one day saying, you know, he's always his best when you're here visiting. And it just like that, that moment, it hit me. I'm like, okay, this is not calling. This is what I need to do. You know, even if a 30 minute visit can help him, like what else can I do out there? You know? So um, that kind of resonated with me and it stuck with me. And that was kind of my driving reason to go into nursing school.
0: You know, I think being a nurse beyond the year of 2020 at all times is such a selfless path for what you get to do. So the fact that you had that moment, I think is absolutely wonderful and beautiful because I often find even just, I've never been in the hospital for long periods of time, but I've had family members who are, and certainly I've dealt with nurses during labor and delivery. And those nurses are the ones that changed my life. I mean, those nurses were the ones that as I was like, (laughs) doing an all-natural childbirth. And of course, my placenta got stuck and I had to go back into emergency surgery. I was yelling my nurse's name because I had gotten that close to her. I just think you have these moments with nurses even more so than doctors because the doctors just come in and out periodically as they're like checking up on things but the nurses are the ones that are with you i mean those are the ones that i feel like you're sobbing into a stranger's like arms you're holding a stranger's hand i mean they become so much more in that moment
1: absolutely absolutely
0: I mean, now, did you grow up in a large family? I feel like to have such a uh, affinity towards pediatrics, especially, was that because of a large family, or was that just something you were drawn to?
1: No, it was just me and my me and my older brother. So it's something that I was just drawn to. Um, yeah, I, I probably started at a young age. I guess my mom would say, um, just you know, kids fulfill me. Like they, it's funny. Like all my friends growing up, they always laughed at me. Like Ashley's going to be the one that has like a litter of kids and. Like It's true. Like I think I just had that personality and just had that instilled in me when I was little that I was going to help people and I was going to have a bunch of kids. And this is just kind of the path that my life was going to take me.
0: Okay. Now, when you said you were going into pediatrics, you didn't just go into pediatrics. You went into a very, very specific, difficult area. Now, the radio station does a lot of work with the local children's hospital. So I know what a NICU is. But if other people don't know what the NICU is, what is the NICU?
1: Yeah, it's um, the neonatal intensive care unit. So um, like you said, it's a very specific unit. It is a place where babies, you know, normally when you have a baby, everything's nice and healthy, you go to the newborn nursery. Um, if everything is not so great and healthy or they come early or need a surgical procedure or need something done, they go to the ICU. And it's a very intimidating place to work. Um, these babies are born, you know, three, four months early. Some are born term and just have mild, um, mild issues after birth. Some, some require surgical operations. So it is a very special place. Um, I will say that I spent eight years in the NICU, and this was all prior to having kids. So now that I'm a mom and I have kids, I truly don't know how I would be able to work there now. Um, You know, mom, becoming a mom, it really does change you. And I feel like I spent eight years there for a reason, but then, you know, I had a calling to do something else and move on when I became a mother. And I think that, like you said, like these either – you're a new mom or you're a seasoned mom. Like your precious, innocent baby is – in the hospital and it does it takes a special person i think to um be there for them and to you know relieve some anxiety and some stress but it's a very stressful place to be
0: a hundred percent i mean you're talking about the tiniest of tiny babies in the most helpless of situations yeah. um and all they have are those nurses and doctors and of course they're Parents who are in there day in and day out. I can only imagine some of the relationships you formed with those parents that were coming in there and sleeping by the tiny little bedsides and making a home in a literal, almost like closet sized space. I mean, while they were there with their baby the entire time. I mean, I've gone through a tour of these NICUs before, and the people that can work there they're a different type of person in the most wonderful way. I am not a person that could have ever handled the medical field. So it's far beyond like my brain's capacity to even figure out how you do it. But the fact that you are one of those people, I have so much respect for you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I mean these yet you're right these families and these children these babies they become part of your family and I've made lifelong friends with patients families you know and now because of social media you watch these kids grow up and you're like wait a second they just turned eight like I remember like it was yesterday that they were just born and they were only two pounds and um a nurse is the one that's there you know around the clock and um They have to immediately trust you and you have to gain their trust because you're the immediately the caregiver of this, of this innocent little baby, you know, when the moms and dads can't always be there. So, um, the NICU holds a dear, dear place in my heart.
0: Now I know that the NICU there, like you said, you are now following those families. You have lifelong friends. Um, I know that that is, there are have to be bad days in that situation. So how did you not take and how don't you take stuff home like that at being in the medical field? How do you shake that stuff off?
1: Oh, you definitely take it home with you. I don't think there's any way you can't. Um, you know, the first thing people say, it's, it's interesting. People's first reaction when you say, I work in a neonatal ICU, it's immediately, oh my gosh, how do you, how do, you do that? But to be honest, like day in, day out, there's more good days than bad days. So, those bad days do happen and um you carry them with you you absolutely do but it they the, the bed the, the, i'm sorry the better days definitely overshadow those bad ones um there's a lot more good memories that i have there than bad ones um and there are a couple of incidences that come to mind but i know looking back that the how i was able to be there with those families during those, during those difficult times um, change their hospital stay, you know, and it changed the course of their NICU stay. So even though something bad might've happened, I feel like I still was a light to that family. And I was still, like you said, a hand to hold. Um, so they didn't feel alone going through those situations. So I try to just kind of, kind of, you know, think of it as I, it was a bad day, but I was still, um, Able to be there for those families during a difficult time.
0: But to your point, is that even those bad days, the good ones more than outweigh
1: those. Yes. See, and that's so okay. It really is a happy place to be because if you think about it now, you know, you have babies that are born three, four months early and they go home, you know? Um, So those moments are amazing. And that makes it all the challenging days worth it.
0: I once had a coworker who went into labor at 24 weeks here in Louisville, and um, she, in, at, in fact, at one point she was doing her show live from the hospital room at the Children's Hospital <laughs> or the the Norton Women and Childrens, and. When she had her baby, he was born in just like 27 weeks, like the earliest of early, early, early. And that was the, um, I've had friends that have certainly gone into labor early, but never that early. So that was my closest connection personally watching something. And now that little boy is just thriving. And I mean, you wouldn't even know. I mean, it is just, again, the people who work in the neonatal intensive care units, anything like that mad respect for beyond a shadow of a doubt. You guys are wonderful. Um, now you went to school obviously for a long time to be able to do what you needed to do. You were in the NICU, but when did you meet your then husband?
1: So we actually met in the NICU. Um, did you really? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, speaking of wonderful people, he is definitely one of them. Um, yeah, he finished his residency. Um, he's not from Louisville. He's from Cincinnati. And he was in Louisville um, finishing residency, and he decided like he had a niche for the NICU as well. So he went and did like his fellowship in the NICU. So we met when he was finishing his training in the NICU. Um, We had both kind of recently been through like similar, you know, life situations and just immediately connected on like a deeper level, an emotional level. And I was actually finishing up grad school kind of when we met. So our time, our time, quote, working together in the NICU was very short lived um, he was kind of finishing up his training when I was finishing up grad school. Um, but we did, we did meet in the NICU. So he is a doctor then <laughs> yeah, he is a physician actually in the neonatal ICU. So now that I don't work there anymore, um, it's cool. Cause we can, we, we, we relate on a whole different level, you know, as far as being able to relate on work as well. So I know when he has his bad days, I know not to ask questions, you know. And I also, I'm able to relate to him and celebrate those victories of, like you said, those 27 weekers that eventually go home. Um, so now that I'm a mom, I definitely found my niche for work. Um, and I've, he obviously has his. But it's, it's very cool to be able to um, just understand what he goes through, you know, day in and day out um, at work and just be there for him. Like you said, when you have bad days or we have things to celebrate.
0: So you guys are a power couple. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at least in the medical field, and I'm gonna say this, and this is gonna sound so stupid, but I'm gonna say it anyway. It's like something I would see on Grey's Anatomy. Oh
1: my goodness, it's so funny. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> like, here you are, you're a NICU nurse, you're in these high pressure situations and in walks this man who's also, he's now a physician, he's caring for the tiniest of babies. Romance blossoms, like I just see this like, yeah. and now you guys certainly put on your mom and dad hats, but then you both are like pouring over medical journals and learning new things together.
1: <laughs> it is, it's really cool. It is really, really cool. <laughs> It's my love. It's our love story, and I wouldn't change it or have it any other way. You know, I think there is something very
0: special about that. I, both of you, especially him being a physician, those are very high pressure situations, and certainly with not normal office hours. And I think it takes a very special person and somebody who truly understands that to be able to deal with that.
1: And you know he goes above and beyond and not to like brag but i, w- I will you know like i'm so proud of he's your husband you should accomplish in what he's done yeah but you know he does he goes above and beyond and if you know a kid's not doing well or he feels really attached to a family and he texts me or calls me and it's like hey i'm gonna be late i'm gonna i'm gonna stay with this family for an extra hour or i'm gonna run down and check on them you know this baby needs surgery like exactly if you weren't in the field and you hadn't walked in people's shoes and been in that unit, you might not understand. And you might, you know, be the mom who's had for kids at home all day and say, excuse me, like, no, work is over get home. But I I understand, you know, and I'm like, absolutely, you do that. Like, they will be so happy that you're with them. Absolutely. Don't worry about us. You know, we'll just see you when you get home kind of thing.
0: See, and that's what that's 100% what I was thinking was going to happen. Because in some situations, that may be a, um, very competitive thing as to you're going to work. I want you to come home, et cetera. But considering you've been in that field, you know exactly what that position is like to be in that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know the value that his presence holds to certain family members. So I'm, I absolutely am like, you say you do what you need to do and we'll be here. Now tell me about, your wedding? Because I, you
0: told me a little bit, and this is actually one of my favorite wedding stories I think I've heard of.
1: (laughs) Um, It was amazing. So we, we dated for over a year. And you know, when you know, you know, right. So he proposed um, in June. And we were like, what should we do? Like, we're, you know, speaking of a wedding, like, what should we do? We really both didn't want a huge ceremony. And we, before kids, you know, loved to travel. And one of my bucket list places was to go to Greece. And I was like, let's just, let's go to Greece. Instead of having a huge ceremony and like, you know, spending the money on the ceremony and reception, let's just spend it elsewhere and travel and have a great honeymoon. Right. Well then, you know, one day, I think we're just like pillow talk talking one night and we, this idea came up about, you know our parents wanted to have an engagement party for us and some friends wanted to throw a party but we just didn't want to have an engagement party plus a wedding plus a ceremony and then go to Greece so and he was finishing you know training and i was in school like just finished school there was a lot going on so we had this crazy idea that what if we invited everybody to our engagement party but we flipped it and we turned it into a like a wedding and as soon as we said it, we were like, this is crazy. But you know, those thoughts that like get in your head and you just can't get them out until you fulfill them. That, that was one of them. So, um, we did, we got engaged in June and, um, our moms sent out engagement invitations to a place downtown Louisville and, um, It was probably 60 or 70 people, just real intimate, all of our close friends and family. We didn't tell anybody, not even like my best friends of 16 plus years. Did your moms know though? Our moms knew. Okay. So our, our, our parents knew, but. Okay. So the parents were the only ones then siblings didn't know. Grandparents didn't know again, like lifelong best friends of 15, 16 plus years. Didn't know. It was the hardest secret I've ever had to keep in my life. So because it was so difficult to keep we had this we we got married really quickly so we got me mi- or I'm sorry engaged in June and this wedding was in September so everybody came um to our engagement party Ryan and I were dressed in like casual stuff right i had on like a long sleeve little dress and some heels and he had on like jeans and a button up and do you know the marketplace downtown like next to the brown yeah so it has a little like courtyard area outside and like stairs and a little indoor like restaurant bar area yeah so we kind of rented out that whole little outside patio. So friends just came. They got drinks. We had food flowing. You know, we were all casual. We had some music going. And then probably 30 minutes into it, Ryan and I snuck upstairs and changed clothes. And um, one of our friends, he, he knew too. He was playing the guitar. Um, he kind of switched over and started playing Bruno Mars. Like, I think I want to marry you song. Yes. And that's we, a good song. Right, so then Ryan is now out of his jeans in a tux just casually walking through the party. Like, hey, good to see you, thanks for coming. And finally, people are like, what? What are you What are you wearing, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, are you getting married, where's Ashley? Like all these questions just started coming up. So one of my friends, I ended up telling that morning because she did my hair and makeup. Um, so she's a high school friend, she got her phone out and we started like videotaping all these people's reactions. It was, I mean, it gives me chills just talking about. So he was like, yeah, yeah, come up, come up front, this is happening. And so, again, the music switched again to like a um, more sentimental song. And I was in a wedding dress and I started walking down the stairs and we got married on the spot. And it was, I mean, truly the best decision. It was a surprise. Everybody was just in tears and shock and screaming. Um, We wrote our own vows and just had a very just intimate little ceremony.
0: I love this so much because I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved planning my wedding. It was one of the greatest days of my life, but I mean, clearly planning a wedding is insanely stressful when you're trying to accommodate large families, people traveling the perfect day, money more than anything, good Lord, the money. And then you're trying to figure out honeymoon. Um, I know that like right towards the end of like our wedding planning, we were engaged, met a year, engaged a year, and then married the following year. And we used to have to drive by the courthouse every day. It was on the way to our house. And there were several times when I would look at my, I would look at my now husband and be like, you know, we could just go to the courthouse and take that money and have a much larger honeymoon. (laughs) (laughs) and there were so many times he he would be like, are you serious? And I'm like, no, we can't do that to our family now, or those deposits are non-refundable, but there were times that it was just, it was just the stress of it. And the actual day itself was absolutely incredible, which is why I love this surprise and shock. And you, I guarantee, um, once you were probably some of your friends and family kind of gave you that like sidearm punch, like, how could you not tell me? It's a story they probably tell to this day.
1: Absolutely. And it's so funny because We um, didn't really, we didn't plan like the, okay, so what we told everybody was, yeah, we're getting engaged and we're not going to get married here. We're just going to go to Greece and probably we might even just get married over there. Well, as soon as you say that, people look at you like, what? You're getting married in Greece? Is that even legal? How do you do that? And then I'm like, oh. Um, maybe I should have like researched a little to like have a better story. So then I was like, I would text Ryan and somebody would say, well, what day are you getting married? And I'm like, um, uh, September um, 20th. And I'm like texting Ryan. I'm like, okay, we're getting married in Greece on September 20th. So it's like this whole story just kind of built up for a couple of weeks where it was like, it was just killing us. It was eating us alive. So it was really funny and we had to really be careful with what we were saying. Um, but we told everybody we were getting engaged here. We were just going to elope and just go to Greece and have this two week honeymoon and probably either get married there if we could, or if not, we'll go to the courthouse when we get home. And people just had so many questions that we weren't really prepared for, you know, I wasn't prepared to like have this huge story to tell. Um, but people were very interested and very invested and it was just really funny leading up to it. Um, how much kind of, you know, stories we had to kind of fib about in order to get people to our engagement party.
0: Which is so incredible. Okay. So you guys then get married. And when did the little ones start coming? Cause you now have, you're a mother of three, correct? Of course,
1: yeah. So, um, our biggest is Graham. He is four and a half. Um, our middle guy, Charlie is two and a half. And then we have a new little girl, um, our little rainbow baby, Hannah, she is seven months old. So you have a crazy household
0: like I do then,
1: <laughs> you know, a four, two and new is what we say over here. It's crazy
0: 4 two and new. That's a good way to put it. I'm like just slightly ahead. I've got a seven, five and 15 month old. So just like about six months earlier, well, relatively a little bit more than that on each one. But yeah, we're just over here. And it's like, was it a big change for
1: you going from two to three? So, you know, I, I still think that my husband says, yes, he thinks that like, um, it just went, it is, is chaotic now. He's like two to three. It's crazy. But for me, I think the hardest transition was going from one to two. And I tell people that. And I think that my, my reason is that when you have just one, right, he has all of your attention and it was really hard for me emotionally when the, when my second came, to have to try and juggle and figure out how do I divide my attention and like split it up evenly. You know, like, I remember a silly story of my, of Graham. He was two when we had this, you know, we had Charlie and I'm nursing on the couch and he's like, mommy, can you please get me some more milk and like read this book? And like, you know how it is. You have your cans full. And so my husband's right here. And he's like, Hey bud, I can get your milk and read your story. And he just started crying like, no, I want mommy. I want mommy. And I probably had a week old at that point thinking, oh, my gosh, like, how am I going to do this? Like, I have rocked his world. How is he ever going to survive this? You know, it was just emotionally hard I think, for me trying to just juggle. Like, how do I still give you all my attention? But I can't because now I have a newborn who I'm nursing around the clock, you know? So. How
0: is are there are
1: they two years apart or even just shy of it? So the boys are twenty two months apart, and then yes, the guy and the baby are twenty six months apart. Okay, so my first two are also
0: twenty two months
1: apart. And like boy, <laughs> boys or
0: um, um, it's my son, daughter, daughter. Okay, boy, girl, so. Yes. So I remember feeling the exact same way. We were like, I was, we, my son turned one and my husband and I were like, Hey, we want our kids pretty close together. Maybe we should start trying. Yeah. And we got pregnant, of course, within that first month, I was still breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like I literally had zero break from pregnant breastfeeding, pregnant breastfeeding for over four years. I'm- and yeah it's so and i remember my son came to the hospital to meet his new sister he had a pacifier in his mouth he had no he had no idea what was going on and of course my husband worked later hours than i did but i was still working full time and i remember those first moments i would come home from work Like with my new, I'd have a newborn and not even a two-year-old or barely a two-year-old. They both would need me. And I'm trying to cook dinner by myself. And there were times that I would just sit on the kitchen floor, leaning against the cabinets, holding a newborn and a two-year-old, like in tears going, I don't know what to do. Yep. In those moments of dinner time, I remember, were the times that I like had the most breakdowns because I was like, they both need me. What do I do? I don't want the two-year-old to think I'm ignoring him. I don't want the baby can't do anything for herself. It is, you are correct. When you're pregnant the first time, you can nap whenever you want. When you have a newborn baby the first time, you can sleep when they sleep. But when you have two, you can't do any of that. (laughs)
1: absolutely and even like you said fixing dinner like i it's funny like the memories you have right so my first i remember him being in like a little bouncy seat right like um our first child, Ryan, come home from work. I'm, you know, doing my mom and wife thing in the kitchen making dinner with a little baby just, you know, snoozing in a bouncy seat. But then number two comes along, and I clearly remember him coming home from work one day, and I have Graham, like, hugging my leg. Literally, you know, that bear hug like where you're walking around, and they're just attached to your leg. And I busted out my baby carrier, and I have Charlie, like, I'm wearing Charlie as I'm trying to make dinner so it's like, yeah, this is life with two. And then you're right, you add a third in the mix and it just becomes a little more chaotic. But um, because the boys are so close in age, they really have become just best friends. And by no means they make it along all the time because that is not the case in my house, but they really have become best buds um, with, with the pandemic and being stuck home, you know, a lot of last year. And then with the baby coming, um, they both have just grown up and um, they, they've just been playing really well together lately.
0: You know, I, I, I'm, this is why I love talking to people. And this is what part of the reason I love my podcast, because I feel like there are so many things you and I connect on in such a different level, even just having three. But my oldest, even though it's a boy and a girl, they are so close. Oh, yes, of course they fight. And at one point, every single day they're tattling on each other. But ultimately, especially in the last year. So I live in a multi generational home. So it's two households in one. But like my, parents are here. And so is my grandfather. So my dad is high risk. And so obviously is my grandfather. He's 88 years old. But so within the pandemic, we've had to be extremely careful because of them. And they live in our house, which is amazing from a childcare virtual learning perspective. Don't get me wrong. My parents are right here. But um, with that being said, my oldest two haven't been around other kids very much at all. They've only had each other and they have never complained and they hang out all the time. They play each other's games. Um, They did get a habit of starting to like share a room, even though they both have beautiful but separate bedrooms. It's just been a a reaction to the pandemic and it's just not something I've broken yet. (laughs) Um, But they're so close. And then I got my Third was born November 8th in 2019. So right before the pandemic hit. So I was back to work like five weeks and then the pandemic hit. So I didn't have her in the pandemic, but I had her in RSV and flu season. Um, so we already were home because actually my five year old had RSV when she was a week old. When my baby was a week old, so I had to hide from my other kids. Um, so we've been just in the lockdown stage for a little bit longer. But you understand that you've had a pandemic baby. You've also been in the lockdown mode.
1: Yeah, it's so funny too. Um, I am a mom on the go. You know, when I with with the boys. Um, our winter activities, let's say. It's the science center, it's the library, it's open gym, it's this and it's that. I used to go, like, walk them all and just they would play at Pottery Barn or the Lego store and just not being able to do those things. Um, I laughed because Hannah, who was seven months old, she's never been in a store. Is that not crazy? Like, I used to cope like, my kids around to Target and to the grocery and just, you know, places and not really think twice about it. Um, all my kids had been born in the summer months, you know, like May and July. So we've always been able to just go be out and about. Um, so, It's just funny thinking that looking back, um, she's been home almost, you know, her whole life. She's never been into a store, bless her heart. Okay. See, okay. You feel me. So this, the same exact thing is going on with me
0: right now. So she, even though she's 15 months old, I can think, I think she's actually been in a store. Maybe a total of three times, maybe four. Yeah, Um, And probably the most of that time, I take that back. Right before we went into lockdown, she had been in a couple more places when she was like super small, but since lockdown, maybe twice. Right. But the other thing is is that she's not in the car very much. Yeah. Since the childcare is in our home with my parents, her grandparents. Literally last week we had to take her to Norton Children's Hospital because she tripped and fell on a the, the wood trim just the right way and, and like she had to get stitches. Oh no. And when we got in the car, she screamed bloody murder. And favorite. No. And I realized, Oh my God, it's been six weeks since she's been in a car. Like my my first two, of course I had to take them to a sitter at the time or preschool. They were in the car every single day. And so now I have to make a conscious effort to even just put her in the car.
1: Mm -hmm. It's so weird. If you think about it, I know it's completely bizarre. (laughs)
0: So, um, yes, I mean, and I'm, and then of course, going through maternity leave and postpartum, but then you, you can't really go anywhere or do anything or escape at all. <laughs> um, that's a whole new level. Um, now, I, I will say from a breastfeeding perspective, it's been a lot easier because I, I got to say I don't have to use I'm working from home now. So I didn't have to pump. I didn't have to use bottles.
1: I know. Absolutely. <laughs> from a, that perspective, it's been easy because they can nap at home and not be on the go. And you can yeah, you can just nurse at home and not have to pump and Sore milk and all that, all that good stuff that comes with it. So this is where I'm going to
0: slightly segue into now your side, your side gig.
1: So because
0: of this with my third, I came home from work and I've been working from home now for 11 months. So I was only back to work literally five weeks. So, um, when I first came home, she wanted to even nap in my arms and I was doing like she was napping and I was on my laptop hosting meetings every afternoon, which I broke that at about six months. She wasn't always a bad sleeper. Right. But then since about six months old, she wakes up about twice a night every night. She still does. I have weaned breastfeeding back to the point of where it's only right before bed. And then when she wakes up in the middle of the night, but I mean, like, of course, people are like, just let her cry it out. And I'm like, you don't understand. This is the most curious Stubborn child I've ever had of the three. She is the wild child. She does. She is not like the other two whatsoever. She's a little troublemaker, <laughs> and she's very smart. She literally arranged her Fruit Loops by color in a line in pairs the other day, and I was like, "What are you doing?"
1: This my oldest, like it's so funny how different how different they are. Like, oh, they're that. yeah, they're so different. different. Yeah, he would just like line them up and eat the purple last or the orange last or whatever the reason is. It's so funny.
0: It's so weird. But of course, my oldest was the easiest. So he slept at four months on. My second, she was a little stubborn at nap time, but she slept. Now my third, like when I always check my app as to what leap she's in. And I'm like, yep, she's of course doing this. When she's teething, she's hateful. But she's 15 months old with eight teeth, including one molar that just popped through. And I'm like, how do you have a molar already? But I mean, I literally have not slept through the night in almost a year.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: And I'm just to this point where I'm like, I have no idea what to do. And it's like clockwork. She goes down about 8 30. Around 12 o'clock, she wakes up. And then around somewhere around two thirty to three thirty, she'll probably wake up a second time and then she sleeps until about nine. But I'm just like, you know- with your job, I'm just you I can only imagine the way you're changing people's lives because I don't remember what it's like to sleep.
1: <laughs> oh, bless your heart. We're gonna fix this, okay?
0: Oh tell me more. You have you seriously have no idea. I was crying in the middle of the night the other night because I told my husband I was like between being home, working from home, and breastfeeding, I feel like I'm on an isolated island where I don't know how to get off of it. And I have not once not put her to bed in her entire life. Because of the pandemic, I have not had a single night away. And I just want to figure out how to make it sleep. And then in the middle of the night, I hate feeling angry at a tiny baby I who she, why I, I, I don't know what to do. She's not trying to be mean. She's a funny, happy, hilarious little thing, but it's just like, I, I am so thankful that there are people like you because I'm to the point where my husband last week was like, will you just call her?
1: Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> well, you know, sleep deprivation does, a, does, does, a lo- it really hurts people, you know, like it really, you get to a point where you're so <laughs> tired. And, um, you know, I, what I miss about in-home consults is just being, I'm a very touchy person, you know, like I get my baby fixed when I used to go in people's homes and I get to hug these moms that were like literally crying on my shoulder. Um, but I realized that I can still make a difference, you know, virtually. Um, but, Lack of sleep really does something on you, you know. And like, like you said, you wake up and you're mad, but you don't want to be mad. Like she did nothing wrong. But babies are they're creatures of habits, just like you and I are. So if it is like clockwork that she wakes up at this time and that time, it's become a habitual feeding for her, right? And she wakes up and that's what she expects. And if she gets it, then then it's going to keep happening, right? Um, you know, habits form really, really quickly in babies, um, but they also break very easily too um it just takes a lot of like consistency and i think that the key is finding a game plan that a mom is comfortable with and like sticking to it so i remember my second he um would he always woke up at like four four thirty in the morning for a long period of time and i was like in that phase where you want to move him to his room you know but i didn't want him to wake his brother up so he lived in our closet our walk-in closet for like a week i was like he's gonna stay there for a week and we're gonna figure this out before we like move him upstairs Um, So it's all about just like finding what, what a mom is comfortable with. Um, You mentioned like cry it out. And I think that there's a huge stigma about that, about tears and about crying. And we all have different opinions about it, but you know, a true cry it out method truly is you put your baby down at, at bedtime, you say goodnight, you close the door and you don't enter until the next morning. And that's something that's harsh, right? Like that's brutal. And I feel like as a mom of three, I know I personally could not do that So there's no reason that I would expect somebody else to, or even like teach that, teach that way of sleep training. Um, So with, with, um, with nightly wakings, like you're not alone. Um, The biggest, the biggest culprit is, you know, these frequent night wakings due to like a sleep prop. And it sounds like what happens is that your little one is, um, has just kind of developed a sleep prop. So whenever she does wake up in the middle of the night, she just has become dependent on you to you know intervene and to come to the rescue. Um, so uh, again, it's just this—it's a prop, it's a habit that it's easily formed. Um, like you said, you've been home a lot, and you're you know you're nursing, and it's just it's hard because in the moment you think, okay. All I have to do is run up there and nurse her for you know a few minutes and she falls back asleep and I can get back to bed. So that's obviously the easy fix, you know. That's what the fix that gets you, I think, um, to sunrise the next morning the quickest. But in the long in the long run, it doesn't help break the habit.
0: That's exactly how I'm feeling. And that's what I tell my husband. Cause then there, I've talked to people and they're like, you need to send your husband up, but he's been out of the house so much working that he's never the one associated with nighttime. So then when he goes up there, she gets totally thrown off. Yeah. And then I know that I'm just going to end up having to go up there anyway. And that's what I tell him. I'm like, I, sometimes I would rather just get the sleep go up there and then go back to bed. Although sometimes she gets in these moods where it's like, I'll go up there, and nurse her. And when I lay her back down, she will immediately wake back up. And then I let her cry for like 30 minutes. And then I end up back upstairs and then I nurse her again. Right. And then it's like, this is my third kid. And I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing, but none of them, the other two weren't like this. So then sometimes in that process, then I'm up for almost 90 minutes straight. Well, now I've lost a massive chunk of sleep. And now I'm just like in the next morning, I am highly irritable and I, and I'm just like, I don't know what to do to break the cycle because I know that I'm in a cycle. I'm ready to start weaning back off of breastfeeding altogether. But I like you, you said something that I totally relate to. People are like, just cried out. And I'm like, yeah, but what about my other two kids? Right. Like, I and that's part of the reason why my kids again back to why they've been like hanging out in the same room together for a year. Their sister screams at night, right. and so my son's room is further away from hers, so they don't get woken up by her all night. So again, we've I she is affecting everybody in the household in indirect ways at night.
1: And, you know, like like you said, you're not a new mom. You are a seasoned mom. You have other kids. But um, every kid is different. Every kid has different needs. And every kid kind of gets in different, you know, sleep, rush, sleep crutches and has different habits that need a break. Um, but don't panic. Like, we definitely can. This is something that we can work together and fix it. And I think a lot of times, too, I become, like, that third party, right? So, I'm sure you can relate to this. Like it comes, it becomes bedtime and you and your husband are like, well, what are we going to do tonight? If she cries, should I go? Should you go? Are you going to hold her? Are you going to rock her? Or should I go feed her? And it becomes this like this conversation every night, right? Before you go to bed. Like, what do I do? I don't know. What should you do? And it causes tension and it causes like some frustration <laughs> between the couple and you begin fighting about it and bickering about it. And then it's like, like you said, it, it like, I don't know. We'll just figure it out when we get there. And then, you know, she wakes up and it's like, Ugh. You don't have a plan, right? So that's where I come in too. I think that it's really important um, just to find somebody that you trust and that you relate to, and that um, they become they become the plan, right? So everything we do is completely personalized, and I think that that's where this business um, is thriving because there's so many resources out there to google or books to read but a book doesn't come with a person and like you like you know you have three kids that are all very different and for sleep especially it's not black and white in my mind it's all gray right it's all a gray area so it's really hard to like give somebody a resource and say read this and do that because kids are gonna um kids are gonna do differently with different approaches and with different methods. And so I feel like having a personal consultation and having like a personal coach, that's what I tell all my clients. Like I'm, I'm your coach. I'm coaching you as you're coaching your baby. But becoming like the third person, it takes that conversation out between mom and dad to try and figure out what to do, right? Like I'm gonna tell you what to do. We're gonna come up with a plan together, but then I'm gonna send you bullet points and I'm gonna say, here, step one, step two, step three, this is what we're gonna do. Um, and so it definitely, I think, takes the stress off of the parents Um, to where they don't have to wake up in the middle of the night and try and figure out what to do. And also, a baby, um, you know, they can be manipulative, even at a really young age. And they become really big creatures of habits, too. And I think that um, that it becomes a guessing game for them, too, right? So if mom runs in one time and nurses and then dad runs in 10 minutes later to pick up or put down or to rock, it's a guessing game for them, too. So it kind of becomes fun. You're almost like rewarding them for waking up. Um, so if you come up with a really solid game plan and just maintain consistency, that's how it's, that's how we can kind of break the habit more easily.
0: <laughs> I cannot tell you how like relieved I am to like, and, and this sounds so stupid, but I'm trying not to cry. And that's also sleep deprivation talking. Uh. But you have spoken to like so many things that are happening, like those arguments I get into with my husband. And sometimes I'm simply mad at him because he's not breastfeeding and I'm the one up all night and he sleeps right through it all. And sometimes I'm literally mad at him for not doing it. He didn't do anything. I just don't know where else to express my anger. And he does ask me, what should we do tonight? What do we do about this? And then he'll start Googling stuff and be like, maybe it's the nightlight. I'm like, you mean the nightlight that's been in her room since day one? No, I don't think it's the nightlight. Or the one time I sent him up there, all of a sudden he's like searching around for a passy. She doesn't take a passy, And then he's trying to like put her in a new little sleep sack randomly in the middle of the night. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) And so she is manipulative. She is the kid that is a hundred percent manipulative because when he goes up there and he's trying to pat her to bed, she will literally sit there and poke him in the belly button, pat his head, pull his hair and like, she'll be giggling at him. Like, She knows she never does that to me, but she does to him. But she's also the kid that like, if she's doing something bad, she'll turn around over her shoulder, smile, giggle and run from you. Like she knows that she's being a little stink. So, okay. You and I will schedule something separately.
1: Um, And that, i i talked to a mom last week and she totally lost it on me like lost it just emotionally just like crying her eyes out to me and i just wanted to give her the biggest virtual hug because sleep deprivation just doesn't it doesn't it it's hard it's alarming like it really does a toll on your body and your mind and your relationship and your your ability to like think and process and like be the best mom and be the best self and have enough energy like it is um it just takes a toll on you so I just feel so blessed and so grateful that I found this passion that I was not searching for. Um, it just kind of happened unintentionally and that I've been able to be a resource in our community. And, you know, this business, um, was never something that I, Thought would ever happen, um, but it's it's been really successful. And I t- I'll tell you, like we send client surveys out, and they're so meaningful to me, and they just really like hit home and just like strike my heart in so many ways because you know, my you favorite know, my thing favorite I've had several moms tell me is that it takes a village to raise kids, to raise kids and, and that they're just honored that I'm a part of like their village. And, you know, every I've read that several times and I'll I'll reread it over and over again. Like, wow. Like, you know, they now I'm part of your village. Like, thank you. You know? Um, so it's just been a a huge blessing that I've been able to, like you said, like it, it really is life changing. If I can have a mom who is up all night and has no idea what to do, and then is sleeping 10, 11 hours. Um, you know, the messages that I get thanking me for changing their lives. Like it, it just really, um, it just holds a really special place in my heart that I'm able to do that.
0: I mean, I, I can can more than, relate to all of that given that it has truly been over a year since I've probably slept more than six hours in the night. So <laughs> and
1: while having, sleep. I promise this, sir, we are going to get
0: her sleep while being a full-time working person who works a minimum 50 hours a week. <sighs> I get up before the kids every day so that I can start working before I have to get them up for school. <laughs> I get them started
1: in school and then get the baby up. Um, and you should be it's just- able to, I mean, I love my kids dearly. Like, the whole heart would do anything, anything for them. But when they're all asleep and, like, we get to walk downstairs and, like, pop on the couch and be like, what should we watch tonight? Or what's – you know, like, catch up on, you know, your DVR. Like, there is something to be said about that. Like, there is something – it. It weighs so heavily that you can be able to like close your kids' doors and like say goodnight and come downstairs and not worry and like not be anxious going to bed. Like, I, you know, I've had so many moms like just get so stressed and anxious at bedtime. Like, they'll end up going to bed at 8 30 because they don't know what time they're going to wake up. And then they lose all that time, you know, with their husband and with their spouse. And it just kind of spirals. And you can see how pe- people just really get into a funk and just kind of get into a bad place. And it all sometimes does stem from just being anxious about sleep.
0: Well, and I agree with you. I know that I always typically need to fall asleep by about a certain time because if I don't, then I'm sacrificing that much more sleep that I know I'm going to lose already in the night. You're 100% right. But like, I know once I put the kids to bed every night, I can't wait to go sit in bed, not to go to sleep, but that's my only time with my husband. And especially after he's gone all day at work, I'm home all day. But like, once I've stopped working from home, I'm still doing everything else around the house. I truly don't get, I feel like get a break or get to relax until everyone's asleep in the house from the second I wake up it I don't actually feel like I'm relaxing because as you know, when you've got three kids, especially when they're tiny, you can't just sit on the couch and watch a show with them. They don't want to sit on the couch and watch a show with you. So and my other thing is, is like sleep deprivation for me. I always say, and then especially in like pandemic times in general, but I can keep up all my other mental defenses if I have sleep. Yes. And if I don't have sleep, it is harder for me to block out that negativity, block out the anxiety, the worries, um, and given everything that we've had to worry about in the last year. But for me also, I mean, you look at moms and this is why what you're doing is so important is that your body you also are struggling with the fact that your body has gone through three babies and you're trying to p- maybe find time for you to maybe work out and feel more confident about yourself, but it's harder to lose weight when your body's not well rested.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it affects everything. It really does. And, um, you know, I, I worked at, so I was a nurse practitioner in the newborn nursery and that's kind of where it started. I just found this niche for like, for educating families, you know, whether it was a new mom, like a brand new mom who'd never breastfed before or had held a baby before, you know, or like a seasoned mom who's had her third or fourth kid, and I just like fell in love with just the education aspect of that job, um, just to be able to teach about breastfeeding and feeding and bottle feeding and how many you know wet and dirty diapers you should be having and how much they should be sleeping and this and that and the other and i feel like earlier we were talking about how like your group of friends now has like 20 kids and that's funny because that's how like my core group of girlfriends is too right i think between like 6 of us we have like 18 kids in county now so it's oh crazy. yeah crazy but we all became moms you know around like the same the same time So I just unintentionally kind of became a resource for like my friends and would start getting, you know, messages on Instagram or Facebook messages, just, you know, baby questions because people growing up in Louisville, I've always, you know, born and raised here. It's a really small, big city, like, you know, and I feel like I just became a resource for people like just again, unintentionally um, about baby, about sleeping, about babies in general and just, you know, what they're sleeping in, what they, you know, sleep sacks and all this kind of stuff. And so it just kind of, um, no, I wouldn't say fell in my lap because it took a lot of work and dedication and t- a total leap of faith, but it was almost just like, okay, I, I think I have something here, you know, like people are reaching out to me for a reason because they, they trust me and they respect me. And so I feel like I need to take this and run with it because what, you know, um, I could open up so, so many doors to so many people and just be like a really good advocate and a really good resource for our community, um, in the sleep department that is so important. Like, you know.
0: And that's, and so that's where like, a, it's called like a dream Louisville, correct?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So that's why I, that again, when Courtney connected me back over to you and what you're saying, that village, I too, am one of those people that with me and like these other six group, six or seven girls, I mean, we each have anywhere from four kids to two kids. But I mean, but if you get us all together, you're talking, there's over 20 kids in the room because in and it is so strange because we all got married within the same like two years. Yeah. And then we all started having like kids around the same age. And now all of our kids are in the same elementary school pretty much. And I'm like, when we get to graduation season, we need to get come to an agreement here because we, we're we all going to go broke. <laughs> and we're going to be going to graduation parties for over 10 years. Um, But it's also part of the beauty of it because I like you have grown up in this area. I'm my kids are in the same school system that I went to. And it's now crazy to me that some of my friends that I have known since high school, now our kids are going to school together and will end up graduating from the same high school. We did. There's just a very beautiful, um, Like circle of life in that. And that's part of the reason why I'm so thankful. My industry is crazy and people always move around the country and do all this stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm very well planted right here in my crazy little multi-generational house (laughs) in my school system. And I have no intention of finding something in another place. I found it here. And... I am, or how, now you, since you do have a seven month old, and then I'll let you go. Cause I'm sure trying to keep your three kids in the house right now, quiet is a task, but how are you doing with this? My husband has three kids and I'm like, I'm just going to hide in here and talk to you all day. (laughs) (laughs) It's beautiful. Trust me, actually for Christmas. So originally. I will get back to my question. Originally, all the kids' rooms were upstairs, and then baby three was a surprise. So my office was across the hall from our master bedroom. So we made the office the nursery. But then when the pandemic hit, like very short... Shortly after I was like, I have to have an office space. I can't just be in the kitchen. And so we moved the baby back upstairs last summer. Um, so for Christmas, my husband like remade my office. So it was much more like a getaway for me. So it has like fluffy pillows and a blanket and a chair. And he put a TV in here and like a mini fridge and like a chandelier so I can shut the door. And it really is like my little escape. Um, So I totally understand that you want to hide right now. Um, It's totally normal, especially when you don't leave the house. You need a hiding spot. (laughs) So how are you doing with baby three, having your first daughter? I mean, how are you adjusting? It's
1: been honestly like pure joy. And I'm not even just saying that, Um, you know, we always wanted three or four kids. It's kind of, you know, how you play this game and you're like, yeah, three or four. So we had our boys. Um, I'm like you, we got, you know, we got pregnant fairly easily. Um, and then we knew we wanted a third. And this is something, you know, people don't really talk about, but we had, we were pregnant. We had a third and I had a pregnancy loss. And if, if I learned anything from that heartache, it was the fact that and our family was not done. So um, that was a, a very hard time in our life and in our relationship, but we never find out the genders of our children. So every baby was a surprise. Um, both boys were a surprise. I, I I always make a guess and I always guess wrong. Um, so the third, especially, um, we did not know the gender. And so there are not, you know, many true surprises in life. And so I feel like during labor, when I was having um, Hannah, it was just the most magical moment to me. So I just still remember the, t- the tears just flowing out of my husband and I's faces when we realized that it was a girl. Um, so she's just the princess of the house. The boys are... Infatuated with her, Um, they, you know, she drops a toy. They honestly like argue who, who, like who goes, who beats it, you know, who goes to get the toy fastest, and who's going to give it back to her. And like we laugh, like she's really never going to have to crawl or walk because it's like these boys, whatever she needs, they're at her beck and call, and they will just give her everything, everything and more than she needs. Um, So she is, she's a little princess of the house, and I just feel just so grateful that I'm able to experience both genders. You know, Um, I could have sworn that I was going to be a boy mom all the way. And so this was just a true, true surprise to me. And it's just been really special just being able to kind of, you know, develop that bond with, with a daughter.
0: It is different. I mean, I will say, I mean, as you clearly know, even now, even when they're little, I mean, boys and girls are just, they're, they're so different Um, and to experience them. It's funny. One of my friends who has four kids, she has, she had three sons and then her fourth was a girl and she too is like the apple of all of their eyes. Like every, all of her sons have like such a little bond. I mean the, the true little princess of the household, my poor son, he's the oldest and he's going to, he's going to get overran by his two. Um, I very type a sisters, (laughs) He is uh he is the the gentle spirit of them of course he's a rambunctious boy but he is the first to be like oh no i mean i don't want to make kennedy mad or i don't want to do this or i just want her to be happy so i'll just go ahead and go play her game i mean he he is that kid and i'm like okay you are the oldest and she's not the boss i i don't know how many times a day i say she's not the boss Aww. um so it's 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 so it's so fun watching siblings develop their own dynamics yes. And individual personalities. Yes. It has
1: been so fun.
0: It is the absolute best. I mean, I, I, I was one of three kids. And so I wasn't sure I was going to h- end up having three kids. But here we are. But honestly, my big family is something that runs very deep on both sides of my family. So I love the fact that we have a big family and that my kids get to be around their grandparents and they know the day they just have a big household and there's literally eight people around the dinner table every night. That's just that normal for us. Absolutely. So I mean, Ashley, I have to say, I have now done over 50 episodes of this podcast, and I think that you have to be one of my favorites, because I respect you so much for what you've always done selflessly for other people to help other families. You are obviously a wonderful mother, and I honestly, like I told you, by the end of this, we're going to be friends. And I feel like you now need to be my friend. We both have three kids. We both... Um, we're both working moms, we we breastfeed. We just we
1: have a lot of things we can chat about. <laughs> every time I finish up a consult with a client, they're like, "Okay, so what now?" I'm like, "What now? I'm like, you and I are going to become best friends. We're going to talk every day until we get your little one sleeping, you know?" I'm like, care like how long it takes? If it takes 3 days, 5 days, a week, 2 weeks, whatever. Like we are we're, we're now best friends. I'm sorry, you're stuck with me. I'll be talking to you every day and until, you know, we get your little one to like where you want him to be." So it's funny. I say the same thing. Like we're just going to become we're going to become
0: friends? You know, in the last year when we haven't been able to be around our friends as much, I feel like I am more open to new friendships more than ever, um, just to help make the uh, virtualness of our current world a little bit more friendly in general. So Ashley, I am so glad that I feel like you and I are on our path to friendship. And not just that, that sounds really cheesy, but... um, (laughs) Also, I'll, se- I'll call a separate phone call about the whole, uh, my, my crazy third baby who doesn't want to sleep. She's so, delightful though. She really is the most adorable be, little so thing.
1: More than happy to help you. I know how important that is for you and for her and for your family.
0: Ashley, thank you so much for joining me today. I, I truly did enjoy every second of it. Well,
1: thank you so much for having me.